This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 188, and we're talking ball today, folks. We're just going to get right into it. How about that, Jackson? Let's start with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers pulling off a miraculous victory Monday night over the Saints. We all thought he was done. Looked like uh, you know they were never going to be able to turn their season around. But then I he- had I had faith. I held out hope up until about the middle of the third quarter, and then I was about ready to pack it in. And holy yeah. shit, with five minutes left in the fourth, next thing you know, he Tom Brady's. Yeah, disgusting game. You're thinking, oh, poor Andy Dalton. Chris Olave can't make a third down catch. Jarvis Landry drops a would-be touchdown. He's not getting any help, but he's doing enough to give them the lead and get it done on the road. Then on the flip side, Bucks can't move the ball. Yet again, it seems like it was a repeat of that Browns game from a few weeks back. And then you're like, oh, well, if they lose, it doesn't even matter. They're still going to be in first in this lousy-ass division. Right. They get the comeback. Chris Godwin catches a touchdown. There, there's a holding on Donovan Smith. They go ahead and win the game. 87th of one of the game. Yeah. Rashad White, rookie touchdown. Shout-out to the Rashad White fantasy owners. That was big time. Uh, but how, how are you feeling about this Bucks team? They're sitting at six and six now. Somehow, um, you still think they're a real threat in the NFC? I do, mainly because the NFC is terrible. I think it's time that I do eat a little bit of crow on the Eagles, which we'll get there when we get to our big swinging <laughs> picks. I'm still not looking at them as a Super Bowl favorite, but clearly they are better than I was giving them credit for a few They're weeks not ago. Favorite, but absolutely a contender. Yeah, I still just don't buy Jalen Hurts winning that many high-level playoff games in a row, but the fact that they're going to be able to get to play at home should help. We'll talk about that game against the Titans later in the show, but in terms of Tampa Bay, yeah, I still think they very much so have a chance, and it's Tom freaking Brady. You cannot count him out. He showed us time and time again why he is always a threat, why he's always going to be in the game. Doesn't matter if they've done nothing all game and they're down 16-3, to With five minutes left, he's Tom Brady, and he can get it done. So I think as they get healthier, as they get their mojo back, it seems like he's not on the same page with a lot of the receivers. I don't think Mike Evans is 100%. I don't know how much Godwin and Julio have been practicing with their injury history, and I think it's just starting to show. So I'm thinking they're going to get healthier. Maybe they even get an offensive lineman or two back come playoff time. And yeah, I mean, it's it's Tom Brady, man. I'm still going to pick them to win the NFC. I don't care if they have five more games like this where for nine tenths of the game, they look awful. Tom Brady shows me that one moment and I'm still buying it, man. I'm still buying it. I'm not at all. You need to factor in that it was against Andy Dalton and the, and the Saints. It was a home game. I don't know what's going on with Mike Evans, but he does not seem to be himself. This is multiple weeks of evidence now. I mean, he was coming out on the last two drives for plays. Like, he's a guy that's going to play 95% of the snaps usually, and in the two-minute drill game on the line, he's not going to be coming out of the game unless something's really wrong. And he was not out there for multiple plays. Tom Brady was throwing to Scotty Miller instead of him. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't like what I've seen. I don't really believe in Todd Bowles. It seems like they just lack a collective energy that they have. I agree with that. I agree with that. He walks up to the podium and looks like he just got up from a five-hour nap. I I don't understand I listen to him talk, and I want to take a five-hour nap. Like Even him trying to hype the guys up after the win, he's like, all right, guys, good win. We did our job. Exactly. 
on to next week. And it's like, man, you can't give me a little more oomph than that. Like, let's just let Brady coach at this point. That's what I'm saying. I just don't, I don't look at them collectively and see a Super Bowl team. They will be in the playoffs. They will have a chance, but they don't have that same firepower. It was good to see Julio Jones make a few big plays. Thought he was completely washed like that. I disagree on Godwin, though. I think that connection's as strong as ever and will continue to be the rest of the way. But like I said, just don't think they have the punch. Let's flip to the team they're playing this week, though. A team we were buying all the stock we possibly could in. That's the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G goes down with a broken foot. Yesterday, they're saying that there's a chance he comes back for the Super Bowl. Today, yeah. they come back and say it sounds like he's for sure out for the year. And the guy taking his spot is the former Iowa State great, if you will, Brock Purdy. He is a three and a half point favorite this week against Tom Brady. How does that make you feel? And does this change the way you look at the 49ers this year? It changes the way I look at the 49ers a little bit, but if I'm being honest, I don't think there's a huge drop-off from Brock Purdy to Jimmy G. And I think the <laughs> things that Brock Purdy does well are perfect for that San Francisco offense. I mean, they clearly knew what they were doing drafting him, even though it was the very last pick in the draft this last season. But when you look at Iowa State, as long as he's got a good running back with him and the run game is solid, he is awesome. When he had David Montgomery with him for those two or three years, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, looked like he would be, you know, possibly second, third, fourth round draft pick. Senior year, no David Montgomery. Offensive line isn't as good. They don't quite have as many weapons around, and he looked pretty pedestrian. Lazard now, in the league. Yeah, fortunately for him, he's walking into a situation in San Francisco where he's got weapons galore. He has an awesome offensive mind. I'd say even a better offensive mind than Matt Campbell, who he had at Iowa State, who I feel like is is pretty darn good for That's a college That's not a coach. hot take, Jackson. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, Matt Campbell, you know, he's he's pretty sharp guy. He does pretty well with that Iowa State offense, or at least had when Purdy was there. And it just seems like a pretty similar fit where I think Purdy will step in and be just fine. I don't think he makes him significantly worse. And I think maybe he's got a little bit better touch throwing it down the field, where who knows, maybe he opens some stuff up in that offense that you'd be a little bit hesitant to call with Jimmy G. So I don't look at the 49ers that much differently. And in terms of this game coming up against Tampa Bay, I love Tampa here. I mean, I would have liked them even if it was six and a half, which it originally had opened at before Tampa's comeback win, the Jimmy G injury and everything else. But it's going to be a good game. I, I like Tampa this weekend, but still, I like the 49ers and think that they're going to make a playoff run, possibly come out of the NFC. You like Tampa? You like them at plus six and a half. You still like them at plus three and a half. Yeah, I would have loved them at six and a half. I still like them at three and a half, and I'm not going to pick against Tom Brady. Well, I did it for like six, seven weeks to start the year. It did not work, and... I don't think I'm going to do it this week. Give me the 49ers here. I I agree with pretty much everything you said about Brock Purdy. I don't think the drop-off is that big. He was a guy I thought would go in the third or fourth round all along, yeah. the way he slung it in the Big 12. I mean, up until he lost his job his senior year. Yeah, that was weird. But it was very weird. I... I heard rumors that, you know, he looked great in camp further along than Trey Lance. And when you look at the numbers, you want to compare the pass attempts between the two. Brock Purdy 
threw the ball 1,467 times in college, 67% completion percentage. Trey Lance threw the ball 318 times. times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little more than a fifth of Brock Purdy. So it makes a lot of sense that Purdy can come in and operate the offense quickly, um, you know, without having much experience just because he has thrown the ball so many times. And yeah, I'm with you. He's going to be able to get the job done, make them competitive the rest of the season. He's no Big Ben, no rookie like that. But yeah, I think they're going to be competent. I do like this quite a bit, though, for my Dallas Cowboys. It seems like it's opening up a little bit more. If they can just get through the Philadelphia Eagles, I think the NFC is wide open. Yeah, it is. And man, the Cowboys really need to beat the Eagles whenever they play next, because if they can somehow get home field, that would be big time because going to Philly is just tough, man. In any sport, you go play in Philly, and that's just, that's a real home field advantage. Well, we thought that was going to happen maybe last week with the Titans. I just don't see Philly losing the one seed. They'd have to lose another game outside of Dallas, and that schedule is so cake. They got two games against the Giants. I think they'll win this week, one against the Commanders. They're definitely going to split. Their, they had their number. They're going to split. I mean, Philly turned it over a few times in that game. Um, it'll It'll flip the other way, but... Okay, one more thing on Tampa Bay really quick. Looking at the rest of their schedule. So 49ers this week and then at home against the Bengals next week. We should find out a lot about them because the 49ers game, that could maybe be like a 13 to 10 one. We'll see what the Tampa defense is able to do. But that Bengals game, they're going to have to put up some points to have a shot there. And I think that they might just be able to do it with their back against the wall. You see Burrow putting up points. They might just say, screw it. Let's go two minute drill and just run the hurry up offense and see what we can get going because they've had success with that throughout you know the season in their big wins and their comebacks. The offense looks at its best in the two minute drill. So I'm thinking if since he goes out there, puts up 21, 24 points in the first half, Tampa's going to have to go up tempo and that might open things up for them. And hopefully will lead to a successful rest of the regular season because their last three games are Arizona, Carolina and Atlanta. So there's a chance if they can split with the 49ers and Bengals or somehow win both, they could finish one in five of six or six of six. And next thing you know, 10 or 11 wins looking pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. I, I really don't think it matters, though. They could lose this week. They could lose this Bengals game. Right. All Just they need to do is perspective, though. Yeah. But all they need to do is win those divisional games and they're in the playoffs. That division is trash. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, talk about another pretty bad division. That is the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans leading the way for a third straight season. In spite of that, they fire John Robinson, their general manager. This was kind of a shocker. Don't think anyone expected this, especially in week 14 of the season when they're in first place. But when you are the man, who traded A.J. Brown, and then he goes off against you for two touchdowns over 100 yards, then I guess anything is possible regarding your job security. How do you feel? I don't think that's... I don't think that's fair, the A.J. Brown thing, because when you look at Traylon Burks, if he didn't get knocked out cold on that dirty hit, 
the guy had already scored what a touchdown and had, you know, 50 plus yards. There's a chance he might've put up numbers just as good as AJ Brown. And then all of a sudden the Titans are feeling like, Hey, we made the right move. Now, clearly that didn't happen. You know, he gets knocked out, doesn't come back into the game. And after that, everything kind of goes downhill, but this Eagles loss, I think it's more on Vrabel and the game plan than it was. So on the personnel, I mean, they're running single coverage against Jalen hurts and not getting any pressure to him. And he's able to sit back, have three, four five seconds in the pocket and pick from wide open guys downfield. I didn't understand what Tennessee was trying to do schematically. It didn't seem like they made any adjustments. Philly didn't have to run the ball at all. All Hurts had to do was drop back and someone was wide open every single play. So this firing is very weird. I think there's going to be more info that comes out. And I don't know, you never want to assume anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was something beyond football that happened here mm. as to why he's departing. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't gel with ownership. There's something going on behind the scenes, but this just seems fishy. I mean, you got a winning record. You're winning your division for a third year in a row. Vrabel wins coach of the year last year. You've turned Tannehill into this guy that's actually a competent quarterback working in your system. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. I think the the timing tells you a lot of the story. When they traded A.J. Brown, Mike Vrabel did not come out and you know publicly back John Robinson for doing it. I just think anytime you trade a young wide receiver one hell if it's dynasty fantasy football or real life football i just think that's flat out stupid you don't trade your best right. players what about the vikings trading stuff on digs and then take in justin jefferson in the first round how is that any different than this that just happened to work out really really well <laughs> who's to say Traylon burks isn't gonna work out really really well i mean it's definitely possible but then he also drafts malik willis I just it seems to me like him in the front office and Mike Vrabel don't agree on the direction of the team. And when Mike Vrabel is reigning coach of the year, he's going to be the one that wins out and survives this scenario. It just doesn't help when A.J. Brown goes off on you after you dealt him. If they fired him because of that, that is so short-sighted and stupid, and they should have done it a long time ago when A.J. Brown started red hot with the Eagles. Like I Also, too, the game plan. I mean, they allowed A.J. Brown to be wide open in single coverage, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think it's justifiable, in my opinion. All right. Well, it is an interesting story we had to mention. Another no one is one and only Baker Mayfield, Asking for a release from the Panthers, getting it after Sam Darnold, you know, has come out and looked frisky or whatever. Every quarterback in that franchise has looked better than him. So, yes. Yeah. Right um, move on his part, but the guy is washed. I, I, I forget the stat, but it was of like 521 quarterbacks who had played a certain number of games or whatever. He was the 520. Worst. Jimmy Clausen former Carolina Panther, was the only one worse. He was awful this year for them. I thought once Garoppolo went down, he said, oh, I got to get out of here now. This is my chance to go get married with Kyle Shanahan and revive my career. Probably so, but there were a lot of teams that had waiver priority over the Niners, and so I figured he'd get snagged. I think we all kind of assumed it might be San Francisco, but smart move by the Rams, I mean... The Rams were the only team to put a claim in on him. Wait, really? Yeah. 
I just assumed they were above the Niners. Wow, Shanahan didn't want to deal with any of that mess. No, he did not, but... Purdy's a better fit in that offense anyway. I mean, crazy to think about them in the Big 12 and the stature that they held, but uh, Baker's not good. He's not good. (laughs) It's just a fact at this point. If there was any scenario to see if Baker was good, it would be that one. I wanted to see it selfishly. Just He's just a distraction, though, man. He's a distraction, and even if things are going well, he's probably a bigger distraction. I mean, he seems like a me guy, frankly, that wants a lot of the credit and doesn't want to take any blame when things don't go well. Mm, I don't know. I, I think he's carried himself pretty well, even after losing his job this year. It could be for the cameras. Mm. I don't know. What the I've Instagram seen... posts and bullshit that he was posting in Cleveland was pretty petty and annoying, I thought. Dude, and his he... wife coming out. and that, Yeah, I just not a fan. What do you mean? He had, he had every right to gripe about what, that. So you're going to you're going to go post on Instagram and that's the way to handle it. Have your wife come out and say edgy things about your teammates. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Dude. You've made he's made himself a distraction. Okay, maybe he did that, but I mean, he had every right to be mad about what went down in Cleveland. Anyway, well, clearly Cleveland made the right. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. Sean didn't look great, but clearly moving on from him was not that outlandish of a decision, given the fact that none of the league wants him except the Rams, sure. who can't win any games and their whole team is hurt. Sure. What I was getting to is that if you're not going to end up with Shanahan, might as well end up with McVay. It just seems that the circumstances around him right now are pitiful. There's no offensive line to block for him. They don't know who they're going to roll out as their RB1 this week. It seems like it changes every week. Cooper Cup's down. Allen Robinson's out for the year. Uh, If he plays Thursday, like, good luck. I think that's going to be pretty ugly. I don't know what this is for him. I, I think maybe he just tries to secure the backup job if Stafford comes back next year. I think that's best case scenario for him. We'll try out or he has a few good games down the stretch and maybe some team decides, hey, we'll give him a shot next year. We're desperate. I don't know. I just don't see any scenario where he performs well. He doesn't have a lot of time to learn the playbook. His running backs I mean, aren't as good as Wolford, they were in Cleveland. His receiver, whatever his name is, didn't look bad this last week. He put up quite a few points on Seattle. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. We will see. We will see. I hope he plays Thursday night just for the entertainment aspect. But, you know, I'm rooting for Baker. I am. I thought he was going to be successful. I was dead wrong about that. But I hope this works out for him. I don't want to see him wash out next year. I'm fine with it. I've had enough Baker for one lifetime. (laughs) All right. Let's flip from the NFC to the AFC. There was a lot of action this last week, some shakeup going on. Let's start it with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson goes down, leaves the game early against the Broncos. Tyler Huntley comes in, who we've seen enough from him to say he's a competent backup. I think For sure. it doesn't, doesn't sound too serious with Lamar. So if Huntley can just win a few games, keep them in the hunt. Know. They should I be saw two alive. to four weeks. That makes me a little nervous. You got the schedule? Uh, I could pull it up for you. They got the Steelers twice. I know that. And then it's not, I mean, it's not a cakewalk. There's Steelers, some games in there. Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals. 
So they have one gimme against the Falcons, and that's it. Yeah, and I'm not even sure that's a gimme. Yeah, I guess I probably wouldn't call it a gimme. And With the back I think at the quarterback. point, the Steelers' defense is healthy. They look like a different team. They've rattled off some wins, and there's a chance that they could split with them or lose both of those. And I know the Bengals' schedule is incredibly tough, so I don't think they're going to win out by any means, but there's a very real chance that Baltimore stumbles down the stretch, only finishes with 10 or 11 wins, doesn't win the division, and there's a lot of question marks when Lamar comes back. I don't feel great about Baltimore. I didn't with Lamar. I definitely don't now that he's more of a question mark and we're not sure what he's going to look like when he comes back. Because if he doesn't have his mobility, or at least not 100%, that's a huge concern for me. Yeah, I was trying to talk myself into them for most of the year, and I think I'm just out on them now. Like, I got to come out and admit it. I don't see it. I don't think they have enough firepower around Lamar to really maximize him. Offensive line just isn't what it used to be. It's and, average. Yeah, I mean, they just can't seem to get healthy at the same time. That That's what plagued them last year. It just seems like the same thing. Like, J.K. Dobbins has been activated now, but is he going to be the same guy? He had a major reconstructive no. surgery on his knee and had to get sidelined, put back on the IR after one week. Like, yeah, he hasn't looked good. Um, you've got the majority of your receivers that are now out for the year. Bateman's out for the year. I mean, even my guy Tylen Wallace, who was a reserve for them, you know, like your second, third, fourth option, he's out for the year. And now they have what? James Prochet and Devin Duvernay, and those are your only two receivers? Yeah, Andrews and Likely. It's just not enough in this NFL. Agreed. Unless you want to run the ball 50 times a game. Yeah, and I, I just But it's don't. just Lamar. I mean, even... I mean, they don't even, Justice Hill can't stay healthy. Gus Edwards can't stay healthy. Dobbins definitely not staying healthy. They're kind of a mess. I mean, good thing they made moves in the defensive end and they have one of the better defenses in the league because the offense is, I would say, bottom 10 to 12 probably. Yeah. So we're out on them as contenders. I I think the Bengals schedule being all difficult is a little bit overblown. One of their games is the Patriots. One is the Bucks. Like neither those of them are, are that good. They're not, those are not, not gimmies. gimmies, but neither one of those teams is blowing me away. And then the Ravens, we'll see if Lamar's back. I think they could win all of those games. All that said, I think though, they, they could win all four, but I could all, or all five, I should say, but I could also see them going like two and three or one and four, you know? Browns this weekend, Deshaun should be better than Tampa Bay, Patriots, Bills. That's that's a little bit of a gauntlet. I know you are a little bit in on the Steelers now. I think it's a little Kenny Pickett bias coming out of you. But uh, do you think they have uh, a Mike chance Tomlin to sneak in here? I do. I think at there's a very seven. real chance. Yeah, I think they could get in at maybe... Oh, yeah, nine and eight is what it would be. I think there's a very real chance they do beat Baltimore twice. I mean, if they get the win this week and they're sitting at six and seven and they're on a little three game win streak, the defense is healthy. Pickett's playing well. I think there's quite a bit to like there, especially if Najee's healthy looking good. They're a team that always seems to they they play good complimentary football when they get something good out of their quarterback. We've seen this for years. When they're totally struggling on offense, it seems like some of those star defenders quit a little bit. That might fall on Tomlin. Uh, I don't know about that. I feel like they've had untimely injuries. I mean, Watt's been out at the worst times over the last couple of years. 
Yeah, but I mean, last year with with Big Ben, it was like those guys clearly knew it was time. They're like, I'm not going to give it my all. They're, they gave us some 30, 40 point weeks. Yeah, you're not wrong. But when your quarterback can only throw at four yards down the field and can't sustain a drive and defense has to play 70 percent of the game on the field. Not exactly a recipe for winning, but I feel like at this point with what they've got and the confidence that's building and the confidence behind Pickett, yeah, Mike Tomlin's got these guys playing well and Mika Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, it looks good. And I think that if they can hold teams to 24 points or less, they're going to have a very real chance to win any game, no matter who they're playing. Agreed. So they got Tyler Huntley at Heinz Field this week, the, the field formerly known as Heinz Field. And then the Panthers next week. So let's revisit this conversation in two weeks. If they get to 500, then all right, I'll believe you. But then they're running up. I think up, they might. They're running up against a Raiders team who can move the ball on just about anybody. So, Yeah, but I expect uh, I expect TJ Watt to give Derek Carr fits because it's not like that, uh, that Las Vegas <laughs> offensive line is stellar by any means. It seems to be working for Josh Jacobs. But let's move on yeah, from the Ravens and Steelers. The Steelers are a two and a half point favorite this week. Who do you like? I'm going with the Steelers, man. I mean, I'm sticking with them. They're at home. The Ravens. Yeah, you've got Huntley out there and it'd be one thing if he had all of his weapons. But so you double Mark Andrews. And then after that, you just stack the box and dare Huntley to throw it downfield. I'll take my chances with Pittsburgh. Yep. I would take the under. 36 and a half. That's a very low number, but I just don't see enough points from either team here. Like anything more than 20 would surprise me. Okay, let's keep it in that division. And we mentioned it a little bit, but we've got the Browns now who sit at five and seven. They got an ugly, ugly win over the Texans where the defense did all of the scoring. Deshaun did not look great. No one's going to cut him any slack given the circumstances and everything that's gone on. I think objectively from a football perspective, he is going to get better. And this game against the Bengals this weekend will be very telling as to how real that team could be. Yeah. And what I'm most intrigued by intrigued by with this game is Joe Burrow's streak against the Browns. Can he snap it? He's never beaten them. They're get they get Deshaun Watson back, who struggled, yes. But I just wonder if the bad karma around the Browns will come back and haunt them and that will be enough to snap the streak. I believe in that voodoo. Um, I don't know about you, but I think it's Mm. time. The Bengals have turned the corner a little bit. They got the huge win over the Chiefs. I thought the Bengals played close to their A game against Kansas City last week and the Chiefs did not. Offensively, yeah. I don't think the Bengals played great defensively. They did throw some different looks at Mahomes, and it wasn't like he was awesome. But I think if Butker makes that field goal late in the game, the Chiefs probably if Kelsey win. doesn't fumble. Yeah, there, there's a few of those what ifs, but it's pretty interesting. Joe Burrow can't lose to the Chiefs. He's undefeated against them, but he can't beat the Browns. I mean, who would have thought? That'd be a hell of a, a hell of a trivia question. Yeah, I, I think the script flips this week. They are six and a half point favorites at home. That's too many points. Yeah. Oh, that's too many points? I think so. So you're taking the, the Browns? Browns? play them close. I mean, Miles Garrett gets whatever he wants when he plays Cincinnati. Whether the line is beefed up or not, I mean, he's owned them. 
Very true. Yeah, I, I actually will take the Browns plus six and a half in this spot just because of the history, but I do think Burrow finally gets it done. I agree. I think the Bengals win, but it'll be a close game. Before we move on from these two, does the Bengals win? Bump them ahead of KC for you? I mean, no, what's the, I don't what's think, the margin I don't think there now? Uh, it's close, but I don't think there's anything that could bump the Bills or Bengals above Kansas City for me unless Mahomes goes down for the year, frankly. Okay, I mean, I'm going to take Mahomes in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give a little knock on wood for that there. But <laughs> the Chiefs are going to stay at my number one team. That That's not changing. However, I think the Bengals are number two behind them, and then I would put the Bills at three behind the Bengals. I believe in Joe Burrow more than I believe in Josh Allen, and I sound like a lunatic saying that, but I just feel like the untimely mistakes that Allen will have at times and some of the red zone interceptions and just the plays where he's doing too much. Joe Burrow seems to be a little bit more mature at this point in his career. I think part of that is because Allen does have his legs and he's able to do more outside the pocket than Burrow is, but it seems like Burrow knows when to go down or throw the ball away and isn't taking some of the unnecessary risks that Josh Allen does that frankly bite him in the ass in big games a lot of times. He takes some massive hits. He probably doesn't need to, but he's tough. He gets back up, gets the job done. Um, I'm with you on that. Agree with everything. Let's flip it to the New York Jets going to Buffalo this week. Big divisional matchup here. The Bills are nine and a half point favorites against the Jets team. I think some people are starting to buy in on. I'm so out on the Jets. I'm so out on them. The Mike White thing was a fluke the first game. He's better than Zach Wilson, but yeah. Did you see how many yards they put up this last week? But they didn't score points. They kicked how many field goals? They couldn't convert in the red zone. That is correct. He threw an early interception that was awful. I just don't buy it. I don't think that they're actually that good. I think the Bills will blow them out, probably win by 17 plus. Wow. Okay. I'm, the spread's nine and a half. Yeah, I, I'm actually taking it. Give me the Jets in this matchup. They beat the Bills just a few weeks back, a, a month ago. I think it's going to be a close game once again. Today we get word, Vaughn Miller's out for the year. That's going to hurt their pass rush. Yeah, that was kind of expected. I mean, they didn't they didn't bank on having him back before the playoffs or anything. Right, but I, I believe in their skill guys now. Garrett Wilson is coming on like a bat out of hell. Awesome performance this last week against the Vikings. We saw he had two touchdowns the week before. And then they finally find a Brees Hall replacement. Maybe not a replacement, but a substitute in, in Zonovan Bam Knight. He's the true... One for them, they got Michael Carter as a change of pace guy. I think he'll be worked back into the team this week, limited snaps. I like what they're doing here. You know, I think they're well coached. I think they're going to be able to keep this, you know, as a one score game. And I mean, since when are you a big Josh Allen guy all of a sudden? You've been dogging him for weeks now, and you think he's going to blow them out? One of the best defenses in the the league. The Jets are incredibly overrated. I mean, I was trying to tell you last week, I was like, listen, you know, I am, I'm not Mr. Josh Allen by any means, but I liked him quite a bit last week. And, uh, what did that end up? 24, 10 bills. I tried to tell you they were going to whoop the Patriots. Did you? Yeah. I picked, I bashed Josh Allen and the bills and you hyped him up. And then I picked the bills and you picked the Patriots. Yeah. I tried to tell you. 
All right. Well, the Patriots stink. So did the Jets. Get that on the record. The Jets are better than the Patriots. Jets just got lucky. I don't know about that. I mean, Patriots got lucky playing against Zach Wilson. Hmm. Okay. I'll agree to disagree on that. Any other notes on the AFC? No. Um. Just want to see how the Jets play this week, honestly. And then what do we get from Deshaun? I do think he'll get better as the year goes on. If they play any team other than the Texans last week, they lose that game. That's for sure. And then the Chiefs we'll talk about here in a second. Let's go ahead and preview week 14. Real quick before we get there, are there any other teams in the AFC aside from the three that we mentioned in the Chiefs, Bengals, and Bills that you feel like are a legitimate contender and should be mentioned with them? Not out on the Dolphins. I was dead wrong about that game, but not out on them. Well, I mean, that was a one-score game, and if that Mike Jasicki completion on fourth down doesn't get overturned, I genuinely think the Dolphins pick up 25 more yards score and win that game. (laughs) Okay. Chargers, absolutely not. Frauds. Yeah, especially with no Sebastian Joseph Day. I mean, they couldn't stop the run before he goes down. They're not going to be able to stop the run at all now. I think that's something maybe to look into for this week against the Dolphins. I think they're going to get the run game going after it was non-existent last week against the Niners. And I think Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are going to have big time games on Sunday night. Okay. Yeah, really just those three keeping an eye on Miami. And then I guess we'll see what Deshaun Watson can do. Oh, still mentioning the Browns, though. I I have to. I mean, I've been riding it all year. See if they can get the win this week. Keep an eye on the Bills and Miami game that I believe is next week. Let me fact check myself there. Because if Miami gets a win, it is. That is a... uh, Oh, interesting. December 17th, Saturday game, 5-15. Okay, that's that's different. Um, weird. I didn't realize we had Saturday games next weekend. But if the Dolphins win that game, they'd be 2-0 and against the Bills this year. They would most likely have the same record, and then they would have the tiebreaker, would be back toward the top of the AFC. Something to keep in mind. Okay. Let's do it. Time for Big Swinging Picks. As you know, we like to preview the best games of the slate before we give out our picks. This week, we only have three for you as we hit a handful earlier on in the show. There's also six teams on by. If you have your fantasy playoffs this week, you are either a bad commissioner or your commissioner is bad. Get that fixed next year. Yeah, also, NFL, what the hell are we doing? Six teams on by this late in the season. What are we doing? Come on. (laughs) All right. With that said, first game is the Eagles. Six and a half point favorites at division rival New York Giants. Jackson, do you believe in the Eagles here? In this game, I think so. Um, The Eagles run defense looks so much better than I thought last week against Derrick Henry. I know they had Jordan Davis back. Didn't love the Titans game plan. I thought they would try and do a little bit more with the run game. They didn't really pound the rock like I thought. And so I don't see the Giants being able to pound the rock and their passing game doesn't scare me at all, especially with their injuries at receivers. So give me the Eagles here. Yep. 
repeat everything you said. I do believe in the Eagles. I think Jalen Hurts is playing at an MVP level. They have the personnel and playmakers to run up the score against this Giants team, and the Giants do not have the personnel to keep up with them. Eagles cover six and a half easily. Next game, Chiefs minus nine and a half going to mile high to take on Russell Wilson. Patrick Mahomes, as you know, is 14 and 0 on the road against division opponents. Jackson, does that streak continue? And do the Chiefs cover the spread this week? Yes, the Chiefs win. But I will say, I think the Broncos might keep it close. I think this is a game where the Chiefs are going to be looking past them. They're going to be focused on that loss they had against the Bengals last week. They're looking ahead to some of their bigger opponents, finishing up their stretch in the AFC, thinking about the playoffs. Mm, Okay, maybe that's a bad take. Might need to walk (laughs) that one back. But I don't feel like they're getting up for this Broncos game. Thinking about the Bengals. I don't think they're even thinking about the Broncos either, if we're being honest. I mean, I could see them sleepwalking into this game and it being one that finishes like 21 to 17. Let's see here. 72% of the bets are on the Chiefs right now. Yeah, I I would take... Let Let me read this to you. So every single Broncos game this season, I'm going to read you through the point differentials. One point, seven points, one point, nine points, three points, three points, seven points, four points, seven points, six points, like... They keep everything close. They have one 13-point loss and then last week a one-point loss. Everything seems to be within one score and they just find a way to lose. So I want to be surprised if this is any different. I could see them leading like 13-10 at half. Could even see them having the lead in the fourth quarter and then just choking it away like they did against the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, I want to agree with you, but I just don't know who is moving the ball for them this week. Uh, Cortland Sutton Cortland Sutton has been ruled out. Jerry Judy will play, I believe, but that dude has not been 100% all season long. KJ yeah. Hamler, same thing. Like They don't have any weapons. Bad O-line, Latavius Murray and Mike Boone. We talked about this last week. I'm going to go with the Chiefs here on the road. I think this is like a 20-7 to kind of game. The Chiefs defense has played better as the season's gone on. I think you throw out last week. That's just big plays from elite wide receivers. Um, Chiefs get it done. They're four, seven and one against the spread this year. This week, they actually get the job done against a divisional opponent. We shall see. I hope the Chiefs roll them. I hope they get that momentum going, going into the playoffs because I'm I'm staying on them. They are the horse that I'm going to ride throughout uh, throughout the rest of the season, no matter what. But yeah, I don't know. Just a weird feeling on this one. Last game here that we're going to preview before we get to our picks. So we've got the Dolphins at the Chargers on Sunday night, as I mentioned. And the spread on this one is only Miami by three. A little weird considering that the Chargers never really have an actual home field advantage. I thought Miami would be like a six or seven point favorite. Tua does have a dinged up ankle, but sounds like he's totally fine. There's no danger he could miss the game this weekend. Does this line smell a little funny to you? Like maybe there's something going on here? Yeah, it definitely does. But I just, I smell Brandon Staley doing something stupid that loses the Chargers the game this week. 
So I will take the Dolphins on the road here. They, they to me, seem like if you live in an NBA market and there's a star in town, you want to go to that game. The Dolphins are that for me in the NFL right now. You want to see Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle make big plays after the catch. That's just what they do. Mike McDaniel's awesome. I think he outshines Brandon Staley this week. They bounce back after an ugly loss. This is a completely different defense they're going up against. And in prime time, they roll the Chargers. Yeah, I don't know about rolling them. I could see it being close, but I do think they're going to pound the rock and have a lot of success there, as I mentioned. Wouldn't be surprised if Miami runs for over 200 yards and they really dial it back in the passing game. Tua didn't look great last week. He made some of the throws and some of the mistakes that we had seen the year prior. They were down both tackles, correct? I know they have at least one out. Austin I saw Jackson that they picked someone. They picked out. up Eric Fisher. Yeah, that's who it was. They picked up Eric Fisher. Not that that's going to be like a game changer, but he's serviceable at least. He should be able to play. I mean, probably right away. I don't think as a lineman, there's anything too crazy schematically you need to know, but I'm not sure there. I've never played on the offensive line. <laughs> I'll say this. And so I'm going to go ahead and transition over to my pick for the week because I've got something on this game okay. with big swinging picks. So pausing right there for now, a quick recap of last week. I was at 11.1 units up. Going into the weekend, I had four units on the Titans to cover against the Eagles, and uh, Titans got the shit kicked out of them. I was wrong about the Eagles. They got anything they wanted on offense. They shut down Derrick Henry. Jordan Davis being back clearly did help. I don't even know how much he played. I don't think he was 100%, but Titans couldn't move the ball. And after Traylon Burks went down, they had nothing going, and it's time for me to put a little bit of respect on the Eagles, I guess. I didn't think they'd finish the second half that strong. And after the loss against Washington, I felt pretty vindicated. Like, all right, they're not as good as their record. I think I was on to something here. But shit, maybe they are. And maybe Hurts is better than I've been giving him credit. I'm still waiting for him to come back down to earth a little bit. But we'll see, man. Um, we will see. So going into this weekend, I'm sitting at up 7.1 units on the year. And I'm going to put three units on the over in Dolphins at Chargers at 51 and a half. Mm. Yes, that is a big number. I think the Dolphins by themselves score 32 plus. They're going to run all over them. I expect a lot of big plays. And I wouldn't be surprised either if we see some quicker, shorter passes, just getting the ball to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle in space. I don't feel like the Chargers have any physicality at the line of scrimmage, and I would say that their strength would be in the secondary with Derwin James being able to help on Tyreek, help on Waddle, playing center field out there. But, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, Chargers ain't got shit. Yep. I like that. I like it. And I want points on primetime. They flex the Chiefs-Broncos out of this spot for this Dolphins Chargers game. Genius decision. Genius decision. If that means anything, it means there's going to be points scored in this one. The NFL is scripted as we know. All right. My pick. How'd you week. do last week? I won, man. I told you that Broncos Ravens under 30, 38 and a half was a stone cold lock through five it units was. on you- it. You definitely benefited from Lamar Jackson going down early, but I think I it probably would have hit regardless. Yes, I was down minus 4.9 units. I bet enough to get me back to even. 
So, hey, there we go. 19 points scored in that one. That's uh, less than half of what the total was. So that's actually exactly half, sir. 38 and a half. Oh, I thought it was 38. My bad. My bad. Yep. So this week, my pick, I am going to one of my favorite teams of this season, the Detroit Lions covering minus two and a half at home against the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, those Minnesota Vikings who have been fooling people all year long. Mike White went into the Purple Palace and they outgained the Vikings 486 to 287 last week. Anyone can move the ball on this Vikings team. You know who can? Especially the Detroit Lions, who are third in the NFL in touchdowns this season. They are going to score 30 plus points in this game. Good luck stopping them, Minnesota. I think Detroit wins their fifth straight game and they cover that two and a half, baby. Let's go. Do you think there's a chance they get a wild card spot? Yeah. I mean, there is a chance. There is a non-zero chance that they do. Absolutely. The NFC is not that good. The Gi- the Giants, they play the Eagles twice. That could put them I mean, at... They're only one spot out right now, and you've got the Giants, the Seahawks, and the Commanders in front of them. I feel like two of those three, if not all three, are going to fall back down to earth. I mean, I think the Giants and Seahawks will finish at 500 or below or around it. So the Lions can win this week. They're going to be within striking distance. The Giants have two games against Philly, one against Dallas. So, I mean, that's likely three losses. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> you got three wild card teams. It's going to come down to New York, Washington, Seattle, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're competing with New York, Washington, and Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, they definitely have a chance for sure. Do you think Jamison Williams is going to get some more action in the offense this week? Because I was kind of confused as to why they had him playing special teams in his Because he was debut. sick. At, he was sick on special teams at Alabama. One of the best gunners in college football. But are you not worried about that being an injury risk with the guy coming back from a big-time procedure and him being your first-round pick? Like, really? Playing special teams? Dude, I I take... I'm, I'm just going to give that coaching staff the benefit of the doubt. They are not going to mess fair. around with a primo prospect. If they don't think he's capable of doing it, then they would not have him out. Well, he's he's clearly capable. I'm just more concerned about injury risk. I mean, I feel like special teams, the injury risk is significantly higher than any other type of play on offense or defense, you know, (laughs) especially as a gunner, like you're coming in hot, coming in hot. Probably, but I do think just watch his snap count over the next month. I think it will increase week after week, come into the season, especially if they're still in the mix. He's probably going to be out there for 50 plus, you know, 60% 60% of snaps. He's just too talented to be rolling out Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds time after time. I'm with you. DJ Chark's back too. True. Not that I put a ton of stock in him, but he made some plays last week. He's made some plays this year. Some timely ones. When he's been healthy, like the four weeks, he's been pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Okay, recap your pick. 
So I have got three units on over 51 and a half in the Miami and Los Angeles Chargers game. All right, I got three units, Lions minus two and a half versus the Minnesota Vikings this week. Five straight, come on. I like that. I think uh, I think that line is definitely signifying something a little funky's going on there. You know, kind of like what was it, the uh, Giants in Seattle a few weeks back, yeah. maybe when the line was super weird and just seemed like something funky. Kind of get that vibe with this one, also. That's the league pass game of the week. There's no doubt about it. Is it? I don't know. I think so. If you got fantasy players in that one, you're going to be tuned in. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I yeah. Points. I guess points, so. Points. Yeah, fantasy wise, that does have big implications in the Sunday night game. That'll be that'll be another big one. So, all right, and I guess Monday night too. You know, Ramondre, Kyler, Hopkins, and the Patriots Cardinals game. They're all. They, but no, think about it. I mean, that's the last regular season fantasy game of the season. There's going to be a lot on the line for some people because everyone in every single league, someone's going to be starting Ramondre, Kyler, or Hopkins, and probably Hollywood as well. Maybe Rondell Moore, James Conner. Like there's there's going to be some some leagues that are swung by that last game. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. So before we wrapped up, you mentioned Mike White from one Mike White to another. We've both been watching White Lotus. Uh, we are going into the season finale next week. I know that you've been big on the show. You were trying to put me on the first season forever ago. I finally watched it before the second season started. Been watching uh, when watching episodes every Sunday night after Sunday Night Football ends. And uh, I'm in. I'm excited for this yes, last sir. finale. Want to kick it to you for your thoughts on this season and what we uh, could possibly see in the season finale. So if you have not watched, but you are watching this season, turn this shit off right now. Yeah, I'm I'm throwing out all my theories, all the spoilers. Be prepared. My number one theory, and I'm working through it. Okay, so Tanya went into Quentin's room at the villa yes. in Palermo. And She's set up. She's either going to get killed or extorted. She has been set up by her husband, Greg. Correct. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how it's going to go down for them. And I think... The the predictable play, which surely won't happen, is that when Tanya and Portia get ferried back or whatever from Palermo to Sicily, that boat explodes. We had the Godfather scene earlier on in the season where they reenacted and they show um, I'm I don't know the name. If you're a movie snob, don't get mad at me for not knowing the lady who dies in the Godfather scene. Okay. Anyways, the car explodes. Some TikToker comes out and figures out that in the preview of this coming episode, Tanya is wearing the same thing as the mannequin who blew up in that car. That makes me think she's going to be on the boat going from Palermo to Sicily. The boat's going to explode and she could be the body that Daphne found in the water in the first episode. I disagree though, because they kept her back from season one to season two. And she's the only character. Like she is the baseline of this story. The only continuity from season one to season two, other than the fact that it's a white Lotus and there's some symbolism that's similar throughout the season. So 
I feel like the Tanya story continues and she will be around in season three at a new White Lotus location, but someone's about to die. Multiple people are about to die. I think Ethan is capable of killing multiple people in a drunken rage. I think he's convinced that his best friend has cheated. Not uh, best friend. His wife has cheated. Uh, good friend, whatever he is. Doesn't seem like a guy with a ton of friends, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> he's convinced something funky's going on there. I could see him doing something reckless. And then, obviously, you've got um, the three Sicilian guys, the dad, the, the grandpa, son, the DeGrasso's who have Lucia who is clearly running Albia muck and she's got a scheme going because I'm convinced this guy that's been showing up or whatever that's all stage and she's just milking Alessio for money the pimp. And, yeah he's not a real pimp she's just a guy that he has showing up and threatening her so that Albi will pay her a bunch of money and then I think she's gonna stick with Albi I think her goal is to get him to pay her a ton of money to quote-unquote get her out of trouble and then get just stick LA. with him and uh yeah, you know, marry him, no prenup, convince him that she doesn't need one. And then next thing you know, she divorces him, takes a good chunk of their family's money, and she's off and set for life. She did tell Dom that she wanted to end up in L.A. in the first episode, I believe, or second. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly a theory that's been floated, that she tries to come home with them. Part I think me- Albie's going to kill someone. I think he is way too suspect zero. Couldn't even put him in the mix. Like he's, I shouldn't say suspect zero, but he's like not even a suspect. He's so far out of the mix. I think he's going to end up killing somebody. I think that's going to be a big twist out of self-defense or something. Or I don't know, just out of rage. Like he sees Lucia go off with his dad or something. And next thing you know, he comes in and something weird like that is going to happen. And I think that they're going to be multiple different murders. I don't think all of the bodies that they showed the preview of in episode one, I don't think they're all going to be from the same incident. I think something really wild is going to happen. And our three big storylines are going to intertwine somehow. So that is what I'm hoping for. And I I believe that Mike White has something crazy planned for us. It's not no going to be something that we can predict. It's just not. Facts. But the whole boat thing exploding, I think there's some merit yeah. to that because of her wearing the same outfit as the girl in the I car. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. Yeah. But the twist that I'm throwing out, tell me what you think, is that Greg gets Quentin and Jack on that boat as well. They go down with the boat too. And Greg keeps all the money for himself. This whole time, Quentin thinks that he's in on this deal with Greg. Greg goes rogue. There's multiple bodies. It could be them. But they got to go way back. I mean, there are pictures of them from a long time ago. You know what I mean? I I feel like, I do think the uh, the quote unquote nephew. I, I think he's probably a prostitute. Um, he is. He's gonna die. He's he's totally gonna die because he was talking about. Oh, you know, I'm gonna come into a lot of money soon, and I don't think he's just getting a cut on the Tanya deal. I think he's accepted that he has some grim fate coming his way, and he's just enjoying the rich life while it lasts and having fun till uh till he's got to pay the price for whatever he's been getting from his quote unquote uncle. Interesting. Yeah, sad story for him. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's the fall guy. Maybe he's the one that'll end up taking all the blame oh. and he knows he's going to go down and get a ton of money that he can give back to his family or wherever back home is or who knows. So he's on the boat as well. 
Quentin blames it on him for not shutting the gas something valve or whatever. Or you could play it off as, oh, he was broke. Maybe Portia lives and Portia's able to tell the story of like, oh, he stole stuff in Sicily and had no money. Like, I didn't think he would do this. But yeah, it makes sense. He was broke and said he was looking to get money from his uncle. The other idea, the other possibility we need to throw out is the symbolism of the heads early on in the show. Right? They say that it it's like a wife staring at you or something her her husband cheated on her yes those 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 heads around the white lotus resort you know what i'm talking about in yeah. the, in the rooms yeah in the and like the weird paintings and stuff yeah so one of them or i i guess what it meant is somebody's husband cheated on the wife and she chopped his head off dom has clearly had a problem He's a sex addict or whatever. I could totally see him getting his head cut off in the finale. Do you think his wife pulls up and sees Lucia and the prostitutes around and kills Dom thinking that he's still sleeping with Lucia, but really it's Albie? (laughs) That's possible too, but it would just be strange to me for her to come out of nowhere when we haven't seen her all season. But she think about doesn't last like season. to answer the phone. Why would she just show up all of a sudden? Maybe Albie told her something. Maybe he said, hey, I'm I'm in love. And she shows up and sees a hooker and just assume that she's with Dom. I don't know. But if you think about last season, a uh, crazy guy. What's his name? Who was just awful to his wife? His mom just showed up out of the blue in the Shane, middle of the season. I think. Shane. Yeah, his mom just popped in one episode out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It'll be interesting. And if you haven't watched, you have time to catch up before Sunday. There's only five episodes out. Each one's about six, an hour. So. Six, I think. Oh, six. My bad. Yeah, this was the sixth that came out. Um. Okay. Before we go, give me your top five most likely to die. Top five most likely to die. It doesn't have to be oh. in order. I could give you my top five most likely murders. Man, Um. I think... Uh, what is Ethan's best friend's name? The one that's trying to make a move on his wife? Cameron. Cameron. Cameron's number one. That dude's getting killed. Um, <laughs> his wife obviously doesn't die because she finds the bodies. I think Cameron's number one. I would put Ethan's wife is number two. And then I think like the uncle is up there. I feel like he's got a death coming. I could see maybe Greg dying. Like I could see Tanya killing them all like figuring it out and she's still all drugged up and finds a gun and sees Greg show up. And cause she, you know, she seems like she's onto it. She was telling Portia, like, I don't think he's really your uncle. Like, or I don't think that's really his uncle. So I think she lives that group. Some people are going to die. And man, I don't know other people up there, the hotel manager, just because it seems like there's a lot of similarities between the hotel manager this season and last season. But the hotel manager was told by Rocco that there were multiple bodies. So she's got to be out of the Shoot, mix. Shoot, you're right. You're right. Rocco she wasn't as that well same. out of the mix. You're right. I could see Rocco's girlfriend at the front desk that curved the manager. I could see yep. her dying somehow and the manager having something to do with it. <laughs> Anyone's a suspect. That's just how this show goes. I feel like the least likely to be a killer, the more likely they are to be the killer, you know? Yeah. I'm with you there. I had, I had a thought. 
Oh, Daphne, I think she's capable of murder. If you go back to what she said in the first episode, she said, you're you're going to die to stay here. She kept using words about death when she was talking to those two new girls at the resort. And then yeah. she watches Dateline all the time. She says, you got to do whatever it takes to That's make true, you says, feel right. Yeah, and whatever he does, you know, you just do what you got to do to make it even. So keep an eye on her. Maybe she finds out concretely that he cheated on her with Lucia. Maybe Lucia, you know, comes in hot, asking for money, just blows or the whole maybe, thing up. maybe she catches Cameron with Ethan's girl and that is Ethan and too. Daphne pull off a little double murder and they ride off into the sunset together. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. All right. Anything's possible. All right, let me get let me get my top five out. <laughs> All right. Dom. Tanya. Yeah, he should have been in mine. Dom should have been in mine for sure. Dom, Tanya, Cam, Lucia. And what about what about Lucia's little friend? Mia. She's got to have something that happens here in this last episode. I don't know. They've given her way too much camera time for her to just be the piano player, hook up with the hotel lady and then be off into the sunset. <laughs> OK, so Dom, Tanya, Cam, Lucia and Mia. That is my top five. It's a solid top five. Only one that I disagree with, Tanya. I, I think she's around for season three. I there's just I, no way she's not. There's no way somebody dies on her first trip at a White Lotus. There's no way multiple, multiple people die on her second trip at a White Lotus, and then she comes back for more. No way. Uh, I'm hoping for point. an all-new cast. So I, I don't think so. I think they're going to continue that theme of one character or two characters, like one of the storylines will be at the next one. I think so. I think that's just going to kind of be like a staple of the show. Okay. Wow. We'll find out. We we'll find, find out. out on Sunday. We'll be breaking it down next week. If we have a pod next week, small chance we don't, because I'm going to be in oh, Vegas yeah. for a work conference, but we'll see. We're going to try and get one in. We might not. Uh, so if we don't, uh, don't have an episode coming out next week, do not panic. We will be back the following week. That is correct. And we'll have to talk a little bowl games on that one. Maybe go a little lengthier because there's been a lot of college football that went on. Don't want to talk about it because I'm pissed TCU lost. Yeah, that stunk. That stunk. At least they're still in the playoff, though. And it'll be fun. You know, that game against Michigan will be interesting. And then who knows? Maybe Ohio State upsets Georgia. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll preview those before they happen. No doubt. Yep. All right. Y'all know the drill. If you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star rating, and we will talk to you soon. Peace.